All right. Welcome back to Podcast Recovery. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric B. All right. We are joined today by our also cross-country guest, uh, Eric. How are you doing today? Good, guys. Great. Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. All right. Where are you from? Oh, that's a loaded question. I oh, reside uh, I reside in uh, northeastern Tennessee at the moment. Cool. Uh, so I'm actually not too far from you guys, but... No. I've uh, kind of been all over the place, uh, down in the south and over on the west coast, but I've been living here for about nine years, ten years. Like all right. And uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? Uh, sixteen. Si- yeah, sixteen years old. Uh, was the first time I was uh, put in a in an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had my ins and outs uh, for quite some time. I'm, I'm twenty. I'm twenty nine. God, I wish I was twenty nine. I'm thirty nine. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> so thirty nine now. Twenty three so years ago. Jesus. Had my had my runs uh, with it. You know. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, how long have you been clean? Uh, for six hundred and eighty six days today, uh, uh, since March twenty sixth of twenty seventeen. Congratulations, man! And uh, thank you. And since we probably won't see you in the next month or so, congratulations on your uh, two year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. I feel I've, I've heard anyways. I'm, I uh, you know, but I'm just happy for today and tomorrow. Is you know as cheesy as that sounds, you know. Oh, it's it is it does sound cheesy, but it's a hundred percent. It's true. true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you, bud. Uh, share your story with us. Awesome. Uh, well, like I said, my name's Eric. I, uh, I, uh, 20, 20, I gotta keep going at 29 years. I'm 39 years old. I really am having issues with that because I'm going to hit 30 or 40, uh, here, uh, here in a couple months. But, um, I, uh, I grew up all over the place, uh, mm-hmm. Southern, Southern Louisiana, South Texas, and Southern California. Nice. Uh, good home. Uh, type of deal. My uh, my mom and dad both been married, divorced, bunch of different set parents. All of them I still have contact with, except for the one that died a couple years ago. Um, middle class, upper middle class family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, everybody potheads. Nice. <laughs> uh, every single one of them, you know, uh, doctors, uh, professionals, but they were the children of the you know sixties and seventies. So it's just kind of what they did. Yep. Um, but. Uh, Anyways, my so I, prim- I grew up my first part of my life uh, down in Louisiana. Uh, grandfather was a uh, one grandfather. My maternal grandfather was a, uh, a chemist of some kind, uh, and uh, and uh, we'll get to that later. Yes, <laughs> I figured that was going to come into this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, anyway, so he was he was apparently a real son of a bitch. He died uh, when I was uh, five, six years old. You mm-hmm. know, just angry, drunk, uh, you know, womanizer, whole nine yards. And uh, one of my earliest memories was being, you know, like somewhere between around four years old before he died. He'd hold me outside of this little. We lived on this. He lived in this uh, this uh, lake house, and uh, he would take me out into this little boat and hang me outside of the boat. I would be in the water, hanging on side of the boat. And he would give me one of those little. Miller Lite ponies, you know what I'm talking about? The little yeah. small Miller Lite. Mm-hmm. And until I until I would finish one of those, I couldn't get back in. I remember being scared of like you know turtles biting my toes and yeah, things like fucking that. Fucking gators, and, man. Yeah, that too. Uh, yes, exactly. And uh, so that was one of my that was my probably my first like memory of alcohol being that that little. 
And Louisiana is kind of like a, a cultural thing of drinking. It's, it's, uh, you know, you know, there's always a festival. There's always music. There's always a reason to drink, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, it's, ah, oh, today has a Y in it, you know, or oh, letters. <laughs> let's, let's drink, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, parents, my dad, my dad was a, uh, was a, uh, a corrections officer over in Texas. He had moved over to Texas at some point. Oh, shit. Had, work, worked in the penal system and was a high ranking member there. And, and, um, uh, but I used to, I used to be, remember being, uh, I was writing notes for this thing and I was, I was just kind of like taking a small inventory of some things, mm-hmm. a few things popped up that I thought was funny. I was like, you know, I remember playing, you know, quote unquote drugs as a game, like being like seven, eight, nine years old. Instead of uh, like cops and robbers, you were playing drugs, drug dealers. Yes. Nice. With all my, my, my upper middle class buddies and my, my main my main buddy funny funny story I just remember, I'm literally looking at this in my notes is my buddy Josh uh, who was my my main drug dealer when we would play he's a, he's been a police officer for like twenty years so that's hilarious <laughs> I I think so that's amazing um, but um, you know I remember I just I, I kind of think about that now as I was writing that you know this afternoon I'm like wow that is odd that I would play drugs and drug dealer instead of you know cops and robbers or something definitely and, uh, not the normal I, I guess not i guess not they 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 say um they say you always start remembering uh you know if you're a real addict you'll remember you know your first sip or your first pill or you know mm-hmm. this that, that is not normal to remember your your very first pill you know or your mm-hmm. first time you smoked pot i remember exactly. all those things oh, those yeah, like some, of the, some of the greatest and worst days of my life yep. you know um, and, uh, but I remember, I remember my, uh, my dad, like I said, funny, he was, a, uh, he's retired now, but loves to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I remember, you know, swiping some pot from him and my stepmom at the time, a little cookie can and, uh, one of his <laughs> little, he was, he was into smoking uh, pipes at the time. Like, like, like manly, like look at my tobacco pipe. And, oh yeah. Right. Get, gaffled this big old pipe and was like ivory with this like Zeus on the face of it or something like that. Nice. And, and grab a little bit of pot. And I remember just trying to smoke it. And I don't know if I was high, if I got it lit. I just remember I shouldn't have been doing that, but I did, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, so I would go back and forth basically between Texas and my dad's and my mom's there and, uh, mm-hmm. in Louisiana and, you know, drinking was a thing, you know, of course you hit seven, eight years old, you know, smoking a cigarette, you know, yep. from stealing from the parents, mm-hmm. uh, was always, always a fun thing to do, I guess. Um, grabbing some liquor, pouring it a cup with your friends and yep. whoever could drink the most oh, yeah. fun stuff like that. Um, then, uh, when I was uh, a little bit younger or a little older, I'm sorry. Uh, the movie industry became quite a thing, uh, down in Louisiana. It was like really starting to boom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my mother, my mother mm-hmm. was in the, uh, theatrical arts and she kind of moved over and started doing movies. It was like, you know, so I was around all these kind of neat shit for being 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, interview with a vampire, yeah. and, uh, oh. blue chips with Shaq and there's you know, all these big productions. That's right. And so I, I thought so at the time, you know, and she was like, and then she bounced. She's like, she's like, you know, when all the productions started drying up a little bit, she's like, you know, bump this. So she left my two year old sister and myself and was like, I'm moving to LA. See y'all later. Peace out. Yeah. And, um, and uh, so she rolled out. Sister stayed with my step with my stepdad, obviously. And then I moved to Texas to this dusty ass middle of nowhere prison farm with my dad. Jeez. And he was freshly divorced. He was like nothing, no, absolutely middle of nowhere. You can look it up, Rocheron, Texas. It is hell on earth. And Rocheron, we had Texas. we had um, 
lived on this prison farm. It was just as far as you can see. It was cornfields and prisons, so like two or three prison farms and corn. And we lived on this like state housing, you know, where all the officers got to live. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it was, uh, we had some fun, but we were all like just such bad kids. We, you know, we literally saw the penitentiary, like. 100 feet away from us basically mm-hmm. maybe not that close but hundreds of feet away yeah and but all we wanted to do was like smoke weed and you know do acid and drink and just be thugs you know uh, <laughs> that was like the era of you know tupac and you know and all this you know 90s oh, yes. hip-hop culture oh yeah bunch of bunch of ignorant white boys who just that de- you know desperately wanted to just be thuggish i guess whatever. yeah and uh <laughs> you know and uh, oh, so, I mean, that just led to, you know, just high school stuff, man, smoking cigarettes and, mm-hmm. and hanging out with, with people and who could do the most dumb shit, who could drink the, drink the most. All, and, I'm, uh, all I'm thinking right now is like the movie Dazed and Confused. Just, oh, man. It was actually that I, that movie was was based off of uh, off a little town just like 100 miles away from where I lived in Texas. And it was based in Huntsville, Texas. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, the dude who wrote it, I think he he went. Why don't they filmed it in Austin? I know, but what mm-hmm. an epic movie! Love that. Oh love yeah. that movie. But I remember doing stupid, dumb Texas hillbilly ass, you know, gangster shit. We'd be, <laughs> we'd be in, <laughs> that makes any sense. Yes. We, would, we would we would go. We'd have these pick these four wheel drive pickup trucks mm-hmm. and have a have a keg of beer in the back. Yeah, going down some country ass road oh, and right, blaring. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. You know, and while you know what you would expect George Strait or something to be bumping in the background, it was like Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, fuck <laughs> you hell know? yes, hell uh, yeah. And you know these, and that's just like what we did. And our parents just let us be stupid. And uh, I guess they just thought they didn't care. They just whatever that generation was, mm-hmm. they just let us just be super independent and super exploratory. I, I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't know what that was. I've asked my dad and mom about it. And, uh, they said, I don't know. We are just doing what we thought we should do. And, um, Fair I mean, obviously not, you know, I was yeah. like, okay. Um, so, I mean, that's when like, you know, decided to, uh, I'd go back and forth from this point, the Louisiana trip stopped. I'll go out to Southern California where my mother lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I really got introduced to like good weed and, um, and other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I never really like was a big pothead. I would smoke a little bit of weed uh, just to kind of do it. It was, I kind of sort of enjoyed it, but it, I just never really liked the paranoia and mm-hmm. hungries and eaties and all that kind of crap. I just, you know, I was more of a go fast and I want to see shit. Yeah. Go fast things. Um, so, you know, riding dirt bikes, riding BMX, that was kind of sports and skateboards and things, yeah. you know, way more fun than running a football and getting hit by some 270 pound black dude to just like run over my little scrawny wide ass. You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, F that, you know? <laughs> um, so we, uh, I would just, I'd, you know, then came like some pills, man. And that's really, really, I remember, I remember taking, I was 15, I was a little band. And uh, I went to my grandmother's house with my other guitarist and lead singer, and uh, my uncle gave me a little blue pill. It was, a, it was a Mexican, it was a Valium Mexican, whatever they said, Mexican Blue Valium Ten, and that was like one of the most like eye-opening, awaking moments of my entire life. Like mm-hmm. I realized, like I could artificially create happiness with this mm-hmm. little thing, Ooh. and then I puked up that Mad Dog Twenty Twenty everywhere. But oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> Oh, but um, 
but yeah, that's so I, I had an adverse reaction to, um, to Valium, uh, in high school. I took, I, it was very strange. I woke up one day, took way too many of that. And I was also taking like, I had this migraine medication. I can't even remember what it was, but it was basically speed. And yeah. I was taking, I was taking some Adderall too, uh, that I was buying illegally from friends and yeah. woke up and like kind of had like a kind of a mental lapse or break. I, but that's what happens when you take too much drugs apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I got to high, yeah, I was in 10th, 11th grade, maybe 11th grade at this time. And, uh, just had a bad reaction and just made a fool of myself at school and just broke down and went to, was, you got, you know, went, went to my first, uh, bit of, uh, of, uh, incarceration, not incarceration, but institution. Mm-hmm. So I was there for about two and a half, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and something happened with insurance. I'm not sure, but they were like, well, you can't stay here anymore because you can't pay for this. You know, it's this really oh, nice yeah. facility, you know, bunch of Jewish people and, things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I was there with a, like this, it was like, I remember there was like a clear model there. I was like, what's up girl? You know, I was like, hey. <laughs> you know, <and> there's, <laughs> stuff like that. I was like, you know, and, uh, I anyway, so I get out. Yeah, I haven't well. heard clear like, oh That God. brings back memories. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a 90s so, reference. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I was like, oh yeah. He's like, what's up? You know, and there was a girl who was a self-proclaimed Jewish witch. I'll never forget her. And there was a, this dude, his dad was like the guy who invented selling cell phone time. However, that works. Apparently, hey, he was loaded. What? And his dad yeah, I'm sure. offed, offed himself in front of him. And he was, you know, doing things. But Good God. It was a hiring place. Anyways, lost insurance. Had to come home. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember smoking a cigarette in front of my dad. I remember just the idea. Like, fuck it. You know, this is what I do, dad. Yeah. I'll try not to do drugs anymore. You know, until I see them in front of my face again. I learned absolutely 100% nothing, you yeah. know, uh, I, and that sucks, you know, it really does suck. I, I remember coming out with no hope, no optimism. I just missed my friends mm-hmm. and miss being wild. That's all. Did you at least uh, hook up with a clear soul chick? We, we, we kissed in a bathroom and that was about it. Ooh, that's a score. Time. That's a rehab yeah. score, man. Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you know, hey man, you know, 16 years old or whatever. So, you know. yeah, exactly. You were more worried uh, about the clear soul chick than recovery. Fuck that. Yeah. That's funny. You can, I, it's, I haven't thought about her in a long time. This, <laughs> this is fun. Uh, I think my wife's in the other room listening. Killer's clear seal, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, where was it? So, anyway, so that was that first little bit of institution. Moved out to California. I'd go back and forth, back and forth. I would run from my, I'd piss off my mom, go out, to get, or come to Texas, piss off my dad. Go, I went back and forth, I think like six times over the course of two years. Oh, Jesus. And uh, just pissing off everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then I just, I, I, had, I wound up having a kid at, a, at 17. Well, actually, back up. August 12th, 1996, I was one month and one day away from turning uh, 17. Mm-hmm. And I was on the prison farm, which is, and I got loaded. I mean, fucking ripped on Valium and uh, Somas, which is a muscle relaxer, which oh. I must have been like, uh, just, oh, yeah. we used to call them Soma Comas. And, uh, <laughs> and a bunch of Jose Cuervo. And, uh, man, I went out on this, like, stealing binge. I broke into all the, the, the prison, like, police-type cars. I stole guns, badges, oh police God. vests. I mean, uh, all this crazy. Yeah. And I woke up the next morning like, was this a bad dream? You know, and literally, it was like 
I looked over and there was a fucking vest, a bulletproof vest and a pistol on my dresser. I was like, oh, oh God. Oh, shit. And like, I left this trail of like stuff all the way to my door. I mean, it was, it was, it was like, you know, I was, so I was one month and one day from turning 17. I played the legal game, did probation, that kind of thing. Yeah. Never had to really step foot in jail. I, and I, you know, I hate to say it, but I didn't learn my lesson. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. if I would have like been in trouble in trouble, I probably would. I'm not committed. I got, I, I took, I said, I took nine felonies, nine civil suits and 26 misdemeanors away with me that night and didn't do 10 minutes in jail. What the mm. fuck? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And like, you know, a month and a day away, I'd been 17 and could have been incarcerated as an adult. Because there was handguns and this and that involved, you know, federal, you know, state property and just, it was a bad deal. I mean, and I don't, and like I say that now with way more of a straighter face than I used to, I used to kind of laugh, like, can't believe I got away with this shit. And now it's like, man, that really, that really could have fucked me up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That could have turned out way worse. Yeah. But I think it kind of did because it still gave me this like, damn, Eric, you're an invincible motherfucker, you know? And you, man, you just keep getting away with stuff. So then I was like, I kind of, I got addicted to the thrill of, of going out with my boys and, you know, jacking speakers and cars and stereos. And, oh, yeah. And yep, yep. Whatever was in, whatever I could do just to do it. It wasn't really about money. It was just the, the thrill of going out and doing these things. Oh, I'm right there um, with you, man. You know, and, and that was stupid. I hate a thief. I fucking hate a thief. And that's what, you know, just mm-hmm. that was so much fun. Go bust a window and grab somebody's shitty radar detector, you know? Yep. Whatever. Yep. Sell it for 20 bucks and, you know, buy a sack or something, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, so about that time, uh, you know, then, then I got introduced to acid, which was, holy shit. I just, I have mixed emotions with acid. I think, I think everybody <laughs> like does. Was, like, that was such a fun thing. I like, I, I wish that that wouldn't have been like a bad thing. Cause I had really thoroughly enjoyed that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but, uh, I had a kid when I was, when I was 17 in mm-hmm. high school. And was, was this like, in, te- was this in Texas or California? It, this, this was in Texas. Okay. And, I had just moved to California. One of my little go back and forth. So I was like, oh, fuck. So I moved back, tried to do the right thing, quit school, got my uh, good enough diploma. That's a GED, if you don't know. Nice. Uh, I've never uh, heard that before. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, tested out, got my GED, mm-hmm. and was like, okay, time to be responsible. I, was, I had moved to L- L.A., uh, was going to, like um, – I was going to, you know, go work for the studios and this and that. And then all that shit happened. I was like, Oh my God. So I came back to Texas, tried mm-hmm. to like do like the adult shit with her mom, with the, with the, with the, my daughter's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, got this job like what, like eight bucks an hour, like grinding these pipes. And it was like, I would go to this job and wear all these clothes and like in, the, in Texas, it's fucking hot. I don't know if you've ever been to Texas in yeah. August, but it, sucks i mean it's hot Mm -hmm. and so you have to wear all these all this gear gloves hats and long sleeve shirts and i would grind this little like 45 degree bevel on pipes all day long and it was just hot and i'd put it in a machine one day and this little thing and you would be a little foot controller Mm -hmm. and uh and i I was cheating i took this like little stone and put it in there like fuck this i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna put my foot in this thing i'm just put this and it'll always turn and make my job easy. Mm-hmm. It caught, it caught my sleeve and started ripping damn near my arm off my body. And I'm like, you know, fuck, I was like, fuck this. I'm joining the Navy. Yeah. <sighs> so I joined the Navy and that lasted for about five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 
they sent me home. I was not used to people telling me what to do. Authority yeah. didn't work. I had I used the excuse of I did I do always had had migraines. And I kind of like embellished on that, and they sent my ass home. Mm-hmm. What they did was please don't kill me, Uncle Sam, you government bastard. But they helped pay for my college. Oh, nice. Um, Nice. They were like, so I got an administrative medical discharge and they paid for a little over half of my college. Hmm. So I went to school. I went to school to be an aircraft technician. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to a 15 month program to be a licensed uh, uh, you know, aircraft mechanic. And it, I, I did my 15 months nice and fast. Took me 26 months. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I switched schools, man. They had campuses in LA and, and Texas. And I, would, I started in in Houston and I went to LA and I f- came back and finished in, uh, in, in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the problem was, is that I discovered all kinds of fun things while I was going to college, yeah. like ecstasy, mm-hmm. raves, DJing, strippers, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, methamphetamine, method, methamphetamine, you know? Yep. And when I was on the West coast, uh, it was, it was crazy because this was like 98, 99 oh, and, wow. and and you know speed or you know that yeah you know, it was it was not like what it is now it wasn't so crackish and like that it was more of kind of a party type thing at the yeah, time it was a club drug. i mean there's it, it's no real way to spin it as like oh it was glamorous but this is what it was mm-hmm. and and so i reached down reached real far down in my dna of my family uh trades and we were like on the cutting edge we were we had just figured out how to mix down uh, ketamine, making special K. And we also figured out how to take, um, you know, the raw form of methamphetamine and cook it down to ice. Ooh. And so, man, we were bringing that shit back and forth from all over the place. It was a bad deal. College, yeah. was, college was busy and full of that stuff. And I, I, I kept all my teeth. I'm 39. I kept all my teeth somehow, some way. I used to smoke it, never inject needles and crack. I think it was the only two things I've never done. Mm. Um, but smoked it, snorted it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of cocaine. Cocaine was just so rampant back then and so cheap. And yeah. uh, so it was just over, 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 over. And I was DJing. And then I finally just, bam, I, I decided it's time to grow up. I'm 21 at this point. <laughs> and I I uh, married a stripper. Rule one, don't marry a stripper. And I yes. broke rule one. Yes. I, bad deal. Uh, <laughs> I married her. <laughs> um, I got to ask. I, I got to ask, what was her stage name? Uh, Alora. 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 Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I was a DJ at the at the strip club, and my wife gives me hell over my DJ name, and I'm never gonna. Oh God. Oh, and, what uh, was it? What was it? Uh, it's so creepy now because I'm a dad, but it was DJ Molest. Oh, oh God. God. Oh. oh yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. I tried to switch it to DJ Test, and it just, they were like, no, 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 no. You used to be called DJ, because you would molest the microphone and molest the third table. Like, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'll never live that down. I can't believe I just told you guys. Oh, uh, thank you. Great, man. Thank you so much. A uh, little, little, little something for you, boys. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Spin it, DJ Molest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ones and twos. Uh, so... <laughs> So anyway, so, you know, got married, started this, this great job, uh, uh, being a helicopter mechanic in the Gulf of Mexico. And, um, and man, I just, I could, you know, it was this crazy schedule. It was great money for the, for the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would work, uh, seven days on and seven days off. 
Oh, and no, it's like you work six months a year. You work your ass off while you're on, but mm-hmm. it was it was it was good money. Yeah, and and um, so I was you know. 21 years old, 22, 23 years old. And I just, man, I, I couldn't stop partying. Mm-hmm. Luckily I was never like, I was never a, uh, I said, I was really never a pothead. So it wasn't staying in my system. I was, you know, federal, federally, federal, federally licensed, uh, aircraft mechanic. Yeah. So you, you know, we were always subject to uh, TDOT test with that five panel, uh, drug screens, mm-hmm. but everything that I love doing was out of your system in two or three days for the most part, mm-hmm. you know? So I would, I would work, seven days kick ass and then come home and we'd go hit you know hit parties and you know do a bunch of eggs do a bunch of you know speed times that was kind of in and out yeah. you know coke and just drink 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 yeah. you know and, and uh and just kind of live that life uh until ultimately about seven or eight years after i was just i was just done i i went up to alaska uh for my second time and i came back to uh, just mm-hmm. zero money in my bank account. Yeah. Was, you know, it was, I was like, I'm, I'm, this is dumb. I should have had like all this money, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had drank, you know, partied it away, probably sleeping with everybody, which, you know, good for them. <laughs> and, um, but I had my daughter, I had my older daughter who lived in the town. I, mean, I never saw her. It was a, you know, she was jealous of that relationship, but we had a daughter, uh, my, the, my wife and I had a little girl mm-hmm. and, and she was subject to so much bullshit, you know, my yeah. bullshit, her bullshit, her family was trash. It was, you know, a bunch of crystal meth involved and, and lots of things like that. And that's when it was trashy. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it always was, don't let me say it like that, but it, mm-hmm. at a certain point you just become a fucking junkie, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I, uh, I, I was trying to fit in. I was like living this life where I was kind of like trying to fit in and just be accepted, and, you know, and I was tired of it really. I was, I was got to a point where I, I quit drinking for, um, for, you know, several months at, at one point mm-hmm. kind of gave that up and, and, uh, just wanted the acceptance of her for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. just, I, I started to get on, uh, on, on, uh, crystal again. And then, uh, I took this job where I was, uh, where I was uh, uh, working 14 days on and 14 days off. So now I had more time. Oh, and I was yeah. just lo- just fucking loaded. Now I'd be loaded for 10 days straight. And then I would take uh, Xanax uh, to come down yeah. uh, from these binges, you know? And then it was just this vicious cycle. I mean, vicious cycle oh, of yeah. uppers and downers. And oh. I can't, I remember coming home and just being on my, my, uh, my uh, front driveway mm-hmm. and just being, I had this big bag of, of Xanax and I was, I don't know. I don't really can't even remember. I used to remember, but I don't remember now what was going through my head, but I was tired of it all. And I just started eating Xanax and, uh, oh. I'll go, you know, uh, bars. And, uh, oh, God. I, ca- I called my dad. My dad lived, uh, about an hour and 20 minutes away. And for whatever reason he happened to be visiting in that town was like literally 10 minutes away. Hmm. And I was like, I had like my moment of clarity, uh, when I called him and my stepmom and was like, I am a raging drug addict. I'm just completely off my rocker and mm-hmm. I can't stop eating. I'm, I'm sitting there eating. I'm like, I've had, I don't know how many Xanax right now. And I woke up, I don't even remember when I woke up after that point. I was apparently I was eating it like, like a bag of popcorn. Oh, God. And, um, oh yeah. So imagine the whole stomach pumping. I went to, Jesus. you know, you know, woke up. Hospital coming flashes of waking up in the hospital, stomach pumps, the whole, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody, if nobody's ever had their stomach pumped with the charcoal 
infusion fun way and been catheter by a big old burly nurse <laughs> you know and you can't you know you got tubes at both ends bud yeah yeah buddy that's you that sounds lived. awful man oh. you haven't lived Ooh. yeah and uh so it came out went to uh rehab part two and that I, I left i was like I, I felt like i was i was in like a state-run rehab facility mm-hmm. uh they wanted me to clean i was in there with a bunch of who I was four years, five years prior, who I thought I was better than at this point. Yeah. And just walk, I walked away and, um, got my shit together and, and just left. I left everything behind and mm-hmm. I went and lived with my, I, I begged my grandfather, my grandfather, the greatest guy I've ever met in my life. He was a full bird, bird colonel in the U S army. And nice. I begged him. I was like, I'm like, Papa, like for the price of a car, a car, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, a cheap car. I could go get this help. I've been doing this research and there was an outpatient uh, facility uh, in the woodlands in Texas and a uh, really nice place up in, in uh, North of Houston. Mm-hmm. And I went and it was this fantastic IOP. And, uh, and so I went and, uh, and that's when uh, I started like really feeling like I was getting, like I, everybody said they saw me coming to life. I was really like working that shit. Mm-hmm. I would go to meetings Every day, as you know, you'd go to some twelve-step meetings. I would go to two, three meetings a day. Mm-hmm. On top of going to IOP, I was like being like just just locked in, was like dedicated yeah. to sobriety, and uh, was doing that. And then I moved away. I was staying with family, mm-hmm. and then I came back. I went back to everybody and my ex-wife. And mm-hmm. within forty-eight hours, I was drinking, which I hadn't drank in like several months, even before that. Yeah. Was drinking immediately and taking pills again, and and relapsed and and had an overdose for the second time in like three months on mm-hmm. Xanax, like bad, bad. There I was again at the hospital detoxing, getting the shit purged out of my body. Like what the fuck am I doing? Mm. And, uh, you know, bad, 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 you know? And then finally, finally I just, I just stopped and just walked away from all that shit. Mm. And, uh, my, my ex-wife couldn't stop. Mm. I, I, I had this like crazy mat. I was working again at this time. I, I took, did this massive plan to, take my daughter. I was married and I went and picked her up in the, uh, as soon as she was, she was in preschool mm-hmm. and, uh, I went and grabbed her middle of the day, deregistered and went out and hid in Louisiana. And, um, and, uh, I had custody of her and then I was trying to live life. Uh, gave her back to my wife who thought well, she was clean. She wasn't, yeah. um, you know, and, um, and, started when she went back, I kind of felt guilty about that and started drinking heavy, 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 heavy and got mm-hmm. back into the music, got back into the music scene and was doing mm-hmm. some, making some decent, uh, uh, business moves in the music industry in Louisiana at the time in Texas, nice. Gulf coast. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, and you know what that is. That's all revolves around drinking and partying oh, you know, to yeah. excess and cocaine yeah. and just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, um, uh, got my first DUI. Uh, one day and, uh, that sucked. And oh, then, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. And, uh, I'm probably missing a few beats and trying to stay on track with a few things. And I just, I lost my job. That's what happened. I, I, I'd gotten in this relationship with this girl. That's where I was going. Got in this relationship with this girl, had a baby, baby died the day it was born. Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh. A month or two later, I lost my job. Uh, that I had for quite a while, good job. Mm-hmm. And my music business had kind of been taken away from me because somebody's lawyers were bigger than my lawyers. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you who that music artist is, but uh, I'll tell you off the record one day. Yeah. <laughs> He's an asshole. Um, 
And uh, I said, fuck it, man. I took my last $800 and I moved to the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And just to, to start over, I, I answered a, a three or four month old advertisement for a job for this little company in, in Tennessee. The guy on the other end said, yeah, I got a place where you come on up. And I just took my shit and I had like a couple of guitars and tools and some, you know, a couple of clothes and just moved to Tennessee and, yeah. and restart, restarted life and uh, met a beautiful, beautiful woman, mm-hmm. uh, married her had a kid with her, got custody of my daughter from my previous marriage. Um, life opened up, actually lived in a house um, mm-hmm. that I'm getting ready to close on and sell to buy a new house for the first time. You know, here in, uh, this week we buy a new house. Uh, but uh, nice. before I moved here, right before we moved here, I, I looked at my social security thing. They tell you how many times you've moved from the time I was 18 until I was 32. I had moved 34 times. Jesus. Oh my God. Oh my and, God. uh, yeah, and I was like, holy shit, I was just, I would just bump and run and bump and run and hide and just be terrible. And so I've been living here. And and, and also, this is like my longest stint in recovery, too, is, is staying put. Mm-hmm. But I, um, but man, I got super involved in the community, um, still drinking at this point, no drugs. Yeah. And, and, uh, ran for city council, lost by 62 votes. <laughs> and, and, uh, of course, I think it kind of damaged the old, uh, uh, you know, my, my pride a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and lost my grandfather. All that shit happened like a two or three month time frame. I was like, damn it. So I kind of hurt. And, and uh, man, I, I think I started drinking a lot heavier and I really started watching Mad Men too. And I, if you're going to watch Mad Men, you <laughs> really want to smoke cigarettes and drink whiskey. So I was drinking hard liquor again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, anyway, so fast forward a little bit and I, I'm fucking around with my kids on the boat and I, and I, I, I hurt myself and I go to the doctor cause I hurt my wrist really bad. Mm-hmm. And so like, Oh, well, here's a little pain pill. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, here's my little friend. And it was just off to the races. I yeah. mean, it just, I mean, you know how it goes. It just doesn't take any time. And it was just full no. blown, man. And, uh, and before I knew it, I had this dude who lived across the street. We used to call him crazy Barry. And he's moved <laughs> away now, but man, he was, that's what he did, man. He had pills and mm-hmm. I would literally walk, walk, walk across the street, smoke a little herb with him in the evening times, take a bunch of pills. And then he got me hooked on this Suboxone stuff. Mm. And that was even worse. And then Subutech. And it was just, I was just really out of control, started losing weight. Couldn't remember what I was doing, what I wasn't doing. My wife didn't know if I was having an affair or on drugs or what. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's never been, never been around all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I'd moved out, literally moved, living across the street on Barry's couch, you know, just so I could just be hot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, watching my wife and kids right across the street, just not giving a shit, just not understanding of how to battle, you know, yeah. like all my tools, everything I knew to do, I couldn't. I mean, that mm-hmm. shit had me. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I never, you know, I always had this excuse. I was like, you know, when I, when I quit doing, uh, when I, when I quit doing, uh, Xanax, I was like, fuck, well, I'm not doing Xanax. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. or, yeah. or, or I'm not doing meth. I'm not doing meth anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing Valium anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't do that stuff. That stuff's gross. Well, yeah. this stuff, this is where it's at. <laughs> um, so, uh, oops, sorry. So I, uh, you know, I came home with my wife said she's leaving. And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh my God, she's leaving. And I was like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. And I came home. And uh, she moved to her mom's. I came to my home to my couch across the street. Mm-hmm. And I remember just trying to just be rid of it. I was like, how do I do this? So I tried to sleep. I just, I slept. That's what I did for like two days. I was just sleeping. Oh, yeah. And 
and she came kicked in the door. One of my good buddies just basically, I told her he knew what was going on, and he yeah. he, he told her he's like, "Hey, this is what's going on." Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife is the sweetest, most amazing woman in the world, mm-hmm. but when she's pissed, oh, uh, yes. countries would fear her. Yeah, so oh, yeah. she she grabbed me up, said, "This is it or nothing." She threw me in a car and took me to detox facility. I was like trying to leave, like I'm open the door, you crazy bitch, and <laughs> just, I mean it was bad. I mean it was very very bad. And, you know, and I, at this point, I had I was you know, running and operating a business with a partner and mm-hmm. just not seeing things. It's craziness. And, um, I, I went and, and, and I really realized, I think at that moment, she's like, if you don't do this, we're done. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden, you know, being, I think I was 37 at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, shit, man. Like I started seeing, I couldn't, I couldn't think of not taking my little boy to school in the mornings, every yeah. morning. Like I love that like a little time. I travel a bunch when I'm home. Like I take my kids to school, mm-hmm. you know, or hanging out with the wife, doing nothing, playing on our phones across the thing, watching TV, the little things, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, I'm not going to have these things. Yeah. And all of a sudden shit became important, yeah. you know, uh, where it wasn't before shit I would take for granted. Mm-hmm. And then like it came rushing in. So, you know, I spent those five, six days in detox, like really like clinging on to every meeting, every talk, every, everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just, I, I, I'm a very anti, uh, 12 step person just because I had went down that route. I, I didn't talk much about it, but mm-hmm. you know, the steps, the steps I think are great things mm-hmm. individually, but, but my problem was always is that I can't tell you how many sponsors I had that were just drunks or pill heads, or I'd sit in meetings and there was somebody mm-hmm. top, popping lower tab talking about how they're proud. They haven't drank in three months, but they're sitting there crushing lower tab and down their throats. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. mm-hmm. And, and then the whole drinking thing, they would be like, oh, well, you know, it, it relapse is what we do. It's just part of it. And I hate that. And I was like, this time, I'm giving myself no room for error. You know, mm-hmm. fuck that backdoor shit. You yeah. know, fuck these, meeting, these meetings that are just what I thought were just dick measuring contests of how much dope you've done or they've done or because they have to be there because they're on paper. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm doing this the right way. So I started going to a, a CBT, a, 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 a a cognitive behavioral behavioral therapist. Oh, yeah, man. All right. And, That's awesome. And learning why I did the things I did mm-hmm. and understanding my actions. Mm-hmm. And man, just over time, just over a couple months, um, you know, I, I, uh, I just started feeling better. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, you know, I didn't know. I mean, dude, I wouldn't take, I still don't drink Red Bulls. I don't take those like energy pills, energy drink. I drink yeah. coffee and espresso, you know? Oh but, yeah. Hell yeah. But, I, I, I don't like any artificial stimulant other than coffee or Coke or something like that. I, you know, I'm a fucking addict. I need, I can't have this one. I need like 80. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I just started getting better and really understanding myself and my emotions and my other people's emotions, which was really weird. Cause mm-hmm. like, man, there's somebody other than me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and really like clinging on to my wife and my kids and my families and friends emotions and not just like, kind of hear not I, I quit just hearing people and started listening there you know you what i mean yeah oh yeah and, and not only to them but to myself and man it's been you know almost two years and and um it's been good you know there's ups and downs but i don't i i haven't used i haven't slipped i haven't came close mm-hmm. i walk i walk past the beer aisle, aisle at the store and i get sick to my stomach oh, thinking yeah. what that would what that would do um 
the dope. I don't, I really, not that I don't think about it. Not a lot of people say, you're just a dry drunk. You're just not using it. Nope. Cause I constantly say focus every day. I wake up and every day I go to bed, I think about this shit, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm involved, you know, I'd involve myself in situations to help people. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm just not using, I understand why I'm not using, you yeah. know? And, and furthermore, if I'm not using in almost two years, then fucking call me a dry drunk or a dry user or whatever. Like, well, at least I haven't been using. Exactly. You know? right. um, yep. And, you know, and I, and people telling me that who've been sober for two weeks because they can't stay sober for long in it because they're not doing shit, right? Mm-hmm. Have no authority over me anyway. Yeah. But, um, but um, yeah, so, you know, what, the, the toughest thing that I think I found uh, in recovery was I, I'd started, like, I lost my passion. I couldn't find a passion. Mm-hmm. You know, sleep just doesn't happen, but uh, I couldn't find a passion. I used to love fishing and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just, you know, something fun to do and. And, uh, man, I couldn't pick up the guitar and play it anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't really write a whole lot. I was just like, what do I do? I was sitting there just being passionless. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to this little community, uh, drug thing that you know, anti-drug coalition thing. And they were, it was, mm-hmm. they did, they put together this movie called, uh, uh, a face of addiction and, uh, mm-hmm. went to the park, local parks from Rick and sat there and watched this monstrosity of a video. And I was thinking, like, I could do better with my phone <laughs> yeah. than this. And uh, so I started I, I started filming. I, I bought little camera stuff, and I started just playing with photography and, and video again. Like, I used to when I was a kid and younger. And, and um, you know, a passion of something I really didn't think about that much and started editing and really getting behind that stuff. And, it, you know, editing uh, kind of crosses over from the audio world. Mm-hmm. seamlessly almost you know it's a lot more in common than than not and, yeah and uh so i i started i started a little film production company called 30 days d-a-z-e uh productions and started making little short films and mm-hmm. uh little commercials and people like actually gave me money to do these things well check this out nice um started uh just shot a, a short film and uh gonna take it to uh take it to uh film festivals here uh after we're done in post-production and cool. doing a documentary about addiction right now to blow that one out of the water. And, nice. and, uh, you know, it, it gives me a little bit of purpose, not only with my family and, and my life and my work, but, you know, I have somewhere to dump my stuff creativity wise, which is mm-hmm. amazing to have. Yeah. And, uh, and my documentary was fantastic, uh, that we're doing because it's like, it's so crazy. Like in that journey, I'm surrounding myself with, uh, with medical professionals and with, with users and people mm-hmm. trying to quit using and, Man, I've, I've helped two people go to detox and rehab. Nice. Um, I've, you know, like being a part of that and hearing people change and like that's that's what that shit's all about, man. Oh yeah, I absolutely for sure. Lo- love that, mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll just grow and we can do some good things with that one project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff, and hopefully I didn't ramble too much. But I mean, that's <laughs> kind of like the gist of it, man. Oh yeah, man, so, you're perfect. That was great, man. Right on time. Um. Fantastic. Well, what, what's the name of that documentary, real quick? Give yourself a plug. Uh, it's called Subculture. It uh, deals Ooh. with uh, it's it's about uh, suboxone. Nice. Uh, and and uh, uh, if you go to uh, www.30daysdazeproductions.com, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. But at the website, we've got a couple teasers out. Some nice. of the other stuff we're doing. So nice. It's really so, yeah. cool, man. Yeah, uh, we're always happy to fucking plug other people. Um, cool. Um, cool. Hmm. Where Where am I gonna start? Uh, Do you want to start? Or you want me to start? You start. I'll start. Okay. Um. Hmm. Let's see. Uh. 
there's a lot of like parallels between like you know creativity wise that I can really relate to with your share. Um, I guess I guess one the one I'll, the one I'll start with here is um, you, know, you were in the music scene for a while. You said right like um, one of the reasons like when I moved out to Chicago, one of the main reasons I went out there was to kind of just like try to take music to the next level. Um, and I was clean for about two and a half years when I moved out there. And, you know, you're talking about that, you know, staying up till four in the morning, the drinking, the coke, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not working a normal nine to five. You're working this ridiculous cycle of time that doesn't make any sense. Um, like, being, like, clean, right? And, like, being a part of, you know, a scene. Like, you know, I mean, video isn't really, video is a lot more tame, um, depending on your subject matter. Uh, but, you know, with music, like, specifically, like, um, have you had any issues with, like, you know, trying to do anything musically while being sober? Like, is there anything that kind yeah, of, I've, like, you know what I mean? I've, I've, I've uh, you know, I've, I've been to, uh, I've been to a couple events. You know, my kids, my, we love, I love music. So does my wife. And mm-hmm. my, I've got a, a tw- I've got a 21-year-old, uh, 18-year-old stepdaughter, 16-year-old daughter, and a, and a six-year-old son. And we give concert tickets. We give musical tickets to our kids. You know, like we immerse them in art. So, you know, for me to not go to a concert and be around music is, you know, um, not going to happen. So, I mean, I've been around plenty of times where there's been, you know, I I don't like it. You know, when I go to a place and they've got beer and somebody's sitting next to me, damn, you're spilling beer. I mean, I get really annoyed. Mm -hmm. I get uh, my patience is super, super low. Mm -hmm. Um, I just let go of a guy. I'll give you a parallel. I just let go of a guy who, uh, who did some work with us on, on this short film. And, you know, he's, he was showing up him and him and this other crew member showing up, you know, just high off their ass. I'm pretty sure it was Coke, yeah. no sleep. Um, you know, and we've got professional, you know, good, you know, and crew out here, you know, and we're waiting on them to show up and, you know, and I've got no time for that shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, and you know, so my patience levels, down so it's not like a tempting factor but it's definitely around mm-hmm. i mean it's definitely around um even in my professional career you know i, I, I buy and sell helicopters airplanes parts and things like that for so cool. food on the table and so i travel a lot and i find myself in you know customer meetings all the times and you know i remember i was at this little uh, place with a with this customer of mine and i had to go over and buy buy some drinks for him i remember going buying one drink it was a margarita of some kind it was 25 bucks yeah i was like i don't remember doing this but i definitely would have probably had about nine of them if i'd have been drinking you know Mm -hmm. um and i'm just i remember being just so annoyed being around that um but but yeah i mean back to your back to the whole thing like you know being in creative in a creative field you're, you're definitely going to have the pot smokers and some of the go fast stuff just running around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's, it's annoying. It, it's not tempting. Stuff. It's annoying. Love it. Uh, but I'm very upfront with everybody. I mean, like I said, my, you know, fucking company names 30 days and I tell everybody I don't do, I don't do bars. You know, I got approached by a damn bar to do a, a, a commercial. I'm like, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so I'm real careful about that, that kind of stuff and what, in the content of my, of my, uh, you know, of what I'm doing, you know, I am careful about that and tell people. And I think I learned from this last little hiring thing where I had this, this kid involved, you know, that I'll just be a little bit more stringent before before I bring anybody on yep. uh, with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, the go fast stuff. I love that. Yeah, like, cool. yeah. I need to do like an overnight edit. Like a few years ago, it'd be like, I need that go fast stuff. I never thought about calling it the go fast stuff. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, um, I I got a yeah. question that's sort of um. So you you have a whole bunch of kids. Um, mm-hmm. all four. Um, some of them sort of grew up through your addiction. Um, mm-hmm. how have you approached that with them and? Since there's talks of it being a genetic thing, are you are you afraid of your kids going down that route? And like, how would you deal 100%. with it? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I uh, when I when I came home from detox, my oldest daughter, who she's in college in Texas now, mm-hmm. and she was living here working with me. She was she went through all that, and I came home and like, man, I had emotion like crazy. I cried. I set them all down. I was like, I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry. You you know, especially my, my, my oldest. I you know, just, she had seen it the longest. She saw the worst part of me and she really yeah. had, she, she has and does hold on to a lot of stuff mm-hmm. because she was subjected to so much bad, yeah. you know? And stepdaughter, not so much. A stepdaughter saw the end of it, mm-hmm. but, uh, her dad, you know, struggled with drinking and things like that too. So she knows and that she sees it. And my youngest daughter is the product of her mom and me and you know, I'm terrified. I'm yeah. absolutely terrified. I told the kids, I, you have to be careful. You have to do this. And you know, my, when my oldest daughter turned 21 back in August, um, you know, I was just, you know, she was like pushing me, daring me to say something. You know, she made, she made sure I was on her Snapchat and yeah. she would be like in, in, in Texas with Bud Light and flamethrowers. No shit. She had flamethrowers and Bud Light, which I was like kind of proud of, but at the same time, <laughs> you, you know, I know, I know I can, I can understand that. Yeah. And the flamethrowers, you know, that's kind I'm, of cool. Like Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, just enjoy the flamethrowers responsibly. It's over. But you know, I know I, I can't tell her or these kids, I, I can't expect them to just never, let a drop of alcohol hit their tongue. I mm-hmm. can't expect them to be at a party without a, a blunt passing around. Yeah. I really hope that, you know, that, you know, that they're going to hit a club and there's going to be Coke and shit going on in the bathroom, but, or Molly or whatever. I think that's the new thing is Molly. I do. Yeah. I'm not, that's not, I'm not even sure what that is, but they're both there. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so that, those kind of aspects just terrify me of the, the, you know, the peer pressure and then just the genetic makeup. I'm like, man, you guys, you know, it is in you to want it, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and, it, and it terrifies me. It's just, just, just say no, or like, just learn limits. I don't know. How do you approach that? Because it's like, yep. the more you tell a young person, no, the more they're going to be like, F you dad, yep. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, just kind of like mindfully like, well, just be careful, you know, just, yeah. you know, just make sure you're okay. You know, and that I try to do that, instead, yeah. you know, and, and just hold on because ultimately I'm, they're in charge of their lives. I've done the best I can. I did not do the best I could do, but for the past few years of my sobriety, I, I'm trying to, yeah. um, because they're the products of what they grew up around. And I'm hoping that they saw how much negative shit went down and that's going to resonate with them, uh, in a way that they don't want to see that in themselves. That's the best I can hope for. Perfect answer. I think those are very realistic and reasonable expectations, exactly. you know, um, like just, just being able to be a sounding board for kids. Cause like, I think all three of us went through like the dare program Mm, back in the day or the just say no. And like, we grew up in the whole midst of like the war on drugs and like it, it's been shown that it just, it didn't fucking work. Like they tried to use these scare tactics with kids and it didn't fucking work. It it intrigued me. Mm, Um, yeah. 
Um, Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Cameron in his hugs, not drugs campaign. Fucking Kirk Cameron. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, if Kirk Cameron, if you listen to this, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it. I, I just think browbeating kids and trying to expect them to like hold them to like a different standard than I I held myself to personally. Like, if mm-hmm. and when I have kids, like. I I don't have a leg to stand on to be like don't do drugs but like you're, right. you're gonna do what you, you're gonna do like I hope you don't be safe I'm always gonna be here for you mm-hmm. like if you have questions please ask like but mm-hmm. it, yeah the honest the honest approach and, yeah. and just realistic approach I think is way more applicable towards the I mean, future. It, it, yeah, I mean these 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 kids are just like their their lives are existing you know in their phones you know and, mm-hmm. and you know. And, in like meme culture. I mean, that's where they're getting their politics is like through, through fucking memes, you oh, know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, in Snapchat and some, somebody who is like making it their life to look as glamorous or as cool as possible. And if, if that's like, you know, puffing on a blunt, even if it's fake, they think it's real. Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and it's, that's tough, man. That's hard. To, that's hard to compete with, man. Yep. You know? Um, and so hopefully they, Hopefully they, you know, the kids are smarter than we were. I guess. Yeah. Hopefully. What else? What else you got, Eric? Um, Just, I want to piggyback on that one. So, so you have a daughter who's twenty-one, right? Yeah. So I have to ask, like, how much of a trip is it? Just like you're thirty-nine and your daughter's twenty-one. Like, is that kind of like a trip? Like, just I mean, the, the age difference isn't like vast, right? Like, I've I've always found that kind of like. Yeah, when I was twenty one, like, my mom was fucking fifty something. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just curious from like your perspective, is that like how how do you look at that relationship obviously differently than like, you know, your youngest child? It's completely different. I man, I the from youngest to oldest. So Lindsay, you know, was just always we grew up together, you know, and mm-hmm. she saw she probably saw me more like a just a fuck up older brother. Really, because mm-hmm. I mean, in the beginning, I had a hard time saying I was thirty nine. I'll tell you, I was twenty nine. I still, I think I'm seventeen half the time. <laughs> um, you know, I still say word and dope and like, let's get it. You know, I just I, I listen yeah. to hip hop. I, I just you know, I'm just I don't. I remember thinking forty was so old when my parents were forty. I was like, you old bastards, you know. And yep. I don't feel anywhere near that, even though it's approaching in like six months. Yeah. And um, I just you know, my daughter, I I. Uh, we listen to a lot of the same music. We go to concerts. So does my wife. I mean, she's it's kind of the same way. And it's, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really ashamed, you know, ultimately I think, I think, you know, of, of a lot of that stuff. I mean, I, the shit that I put her through because I didn't act like her dad, like I should have, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the, the responsibility of, of, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, listen to the music that I listened to in front of her. Maybe I shouldn't have had the parties that I had in front of her. Mm. No, I didn't have blow out on the table in front of her or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it was going on in the back bedrooms, yeah. you know, and I, I wasn't very responsible. And now it's like, Oh man, you know, so I'm like preaching, like you got to go to school and you got to get an apartment and you got to get a credit card. And here's how you do that. So it's like, you know, it's, I, I almost feel hopeful. Like it's not like a little too late. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, missed out a lot with my oldest one. I did. I, I, that, that is something I will go to the grave regretting doing wrong is being a dad for her correctly. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my little boy is, uh, love all my kids. Uh, yeah. 
but ha- having, you know, I had him when I was in my thirties and even through my bullshit there, I, uh, there's something about just, I just want to hold him and him being a baby. And I just like, he's my, my youngest. He'll be the last one we have, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we just, we coddle him, you know, he's everywhere. He gets away with murder, you know, I hope he doesn't <laughs> turn out, you know, um, but he's a, he's a good kid. And I remember, I remember him before I got sober, he would say something about drinking beer. You always drink beer, dad, you know, and oh. just, I'll, you know, go, go get me a beer. This like, and just, why do you drink beer? And even in a, you know, you know, addicted to pills and, you know, Coors Light drinking, you know, mentality, like, what am I doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I was kind of hoping that he would have forgot about that in two years, you know, almost two years time. And a couple, about two months ago, we had a, a an IBC root beer, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and he's like, oh, I'm drinking beer too. You like to drink beer too, dad, right? I'm like, not really. And he's like, he's like, oh, that's right. He's like, you don't, why don't you drink beer anymore? I kind of saw it. I was like, man, he, he realized that I don't drink beer no more, you know? And nice. I just, I was kind of hoping he forgot all about what it is. I know he can't, yeah. we can't erase beer from the planet, but at least mm-hmm. that memory, I was kind of hoping would fade. Yeah. You know, um, the kids in my world, man, my wife is, is like, you know, she's amazing. I mean, who would stick with somebody just, you know, spending money and spending time away and just, you know, shoving shit down their nose and they're putting in their stomachs and just paying all their attention and love and, and energy into that mm-hmm. than their family, you know, and still stand there and say, all right, I'm giving you one more chance. You yeah. know what I mean? And then to come and then to stick with me. And let me be sober and figure this shit out, you know, alongside of her. You know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know that I could have the personal strength to do that mm. because my tolerance is super low. Like when I, you know, that first year of sobriety, mm. I didn't want to help anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't help, yeah, I didn't help anybody. I was like, y'all are all a bunch of fuck ups and I hate you all. Like, stay away from <laughs> <Yep. laughs> you know, I had no patience. Mm-hmm. I had some buddies who drank. You know, I, I, I severed a lot of relationships, mm-hmm. a lot that yeah. first year I just I was like you know screw you guys I don't want to be around you mm-hmm. I never and a lot of them probably got lo- left wondering what the hell happened to Eric because I wouldn't even call him I was just like man screw you guys I don't want to be around it yep. so I just just cut them off just just cut them off deleted phone numbers quit talking to them quit going by and they're like what's wrong why does he hate me alright you I just don't want to be around you and um, yeah. I never even told him that but now you know after I hit the year mark I started when I hit the year mark I, I got on uh, social media and told everybody no world. Cause I, like when I went to rehab, I told, I told, uh, I told everybody I wouldn't have a, an appendicitis or some shit like that. So <laughs> I, I, got ti- I got tired of, of, uh, of telling people, oh, I'm just not drinking right now. It's just not what I'm doing or this or that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm back on the business scene and, and I just, I remember just standing up and how liberating it was, man. Just tell everybody like, man, I was addicted to alcohol and drugs and I was an addict and I've been sober for a year and it's amazing. So, Nice. That's now cool. it's now it's something I'm talking about. Yeah. Kind of went off the course there. Sorry about that. No, no, you're all good. Um, all right. So like we say, like in recovery, like um, addiction and recovery is basically sort of like a threefold war. It's like a three front war. It's like mental, uh, mm-hmm. physical, and spiritual. And mm-hmm. you just talked about like the physical, just like removing yourself from people places and things like just not having that patience for those people or those situations anymore so you like you you're you're working that one and you talked about with the uh the cbt you're you're obviously working on the mental um Mm -hmm. have you had any like 
any spiritual workings? Like, have you, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, buddy. I'm, I'll tell you what, I, 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 uh, I was real involved in church here. Mm-hmm. I grew up Roman, Rome, grew up Roman Catholic uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, kind of, you know, veered off and I moved here to Tennessee and everything is very, uh, just uh like christian uh like like baptist uh, you're all snake uh, you're all snake handlers out there snake handlers <laughs> exactly yes don't you wear your, wear your snake boots yeah exactly and i was like you know super involved mm-hmm. with that you know i ran the soundboard and would you know jump up and play a little guitar or whatever and and um you know put a lot of faith in there and man when i got out i'll be honest with you i i had i had zero i'm not zero i don't want to say that but my faith in God or something. I, I'm still battling with that. I think I'm still, I think I'm still to this day working that out. Like mm-hmm. why would, why would God let me fuck over my kids and my family and my life and everything? If he was this loving person, like this is jacked up. Like mm-hmm. why is this happening? You know? So yeah. I still battle that very heavily. Yeah. I think, I, I think I believe in God. I, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of, a couple months back, I discovered yoga and while nice. I've been slacking because I've been super busy, mm-hmm. the uh, the the uh, meditation part of it oh, yeah. has helped me oh, uh, yeah. immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you may find me just like my wife makes fun of me with my mala beads. Uh, you know, I'll just I'll be <laughs> nice. stressed out and I'll just sit there and be just you know just focusing just on you know one little mantra just 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 just, just calm down, just yep. calm down over and over and over and over again. Yep. You know, um, hundred and seven times or hundred eight. Sorry, in the and I, I'm, you know, and I'm not saying it's a Buddhist thing or this thing. I think, you know, people need to find that higher power. I don't give a damn if it's the microwave is more powerful than you. You need to believe in something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's important. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I'm, and I, like I say, I'm, I'm anti 12 step to a, to a, to a certain degree, but there's something to be said for every one of those steps that is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think I told you guys before we got started, I just, you know, post up programs kind of like the government. I just don't trust it. You know, <laughs> I, I hear just, you. Um, I love that. Yeah. Teach your own, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, people, people, you can't just do nothing. I think I you can't do nothing. And I think you have to, you have to know that you're smaller than something. And, mm-hmm. and so me personally, I'm, I'm I, you know, and I continue, you know, I was riding with my wife today and she said something about a church and I, she's like, we need to say, I just go quiet when she says something because it, somewhere between terrified and annoyed mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know and and i i told her i said you know the problem with these churches around here is they're filled with people <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh and that's i don't think i need to figure out because we shouldn't go to church or any kind of religious thing for the people we should go for the right reasons you know, hum- yes humbling ourselves before something bigger than ourselves you know yeah. so there's my spiritual talk <laughs> cool Um, all right. So my next question, since, um, you know, you're in the film industry, uh, I gotta ask, um, what's your favorite drug movie? Oh man. Uh, somewhere between, between, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. Friday. Uh, (laughs) Interesting. That's a good one. Uh, Yeah. Uh, definitely, uh. See what, oh, you know what? What probably the most influential movie ever was for me? Basketball Diaries. Leonardo Ooh, DiCaprio, ninety-seven. Fantastic yeah. movie. Those yeah. are all good. That choices. was uh, that was probably the, the biggest one there. When you're talking about all the meth back in the '90s, I was like, uh, Spun just Spun. popped into my oh, head yeah. like immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, man. That's 
I don't, I don't know how old you guys are, but it was just, you know, it was just weird back then. It was, it was more of like, you know, a hype drug and people just, you know, truckers were doing it. That's what you hear. Like truckers are on speed. You know, mm-hmm. and now it's just invaded every. Yeah. It's fucking everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. That's bad. You know, this whole, this whole, this whole area I live in, in Northeast Tennessee is just crippled by methamphetamine and, and prescription pills. I mean, yeah. it is, it is an epidemic. Mm-hmm. I believe that, mm-hmm. you know, um, I believe it. I'd have to go with Fear and Loathing for my favorite drug movie. Oh yeah, yeah. big movie. It's so good. It's yeah. so. Good. But you know what, a, what? What was what was that other? It was a Woody Harrelson movie and uh, Natural Born Killers. Killers. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if that was exactly a drug movie, but it was really dope to watch while you're tripping on acid. It was a pretty uh, fucked up movie. Yeah. I mean, like it had like those up. weird. Um, like, I don't know, Oliver Stone did those weird, like, kind of uh, transition scenes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which made, like, kind of no sense, I guess, now that I look back on it. That's Oliver Stone for you. But, yeah, that was a good, that was a good movie. I don't know, I, yeah. my, my personal favorites are Requiem and Spun. Oh, Requiem. Is, what was it again? Requiem for a Dream and Spun are my two favorites. Um, I think I remember Spun. I, I don't remember the other one. Uh, Requiem's kind of, like, the most real... It's oh, one it's, I've ever it's, seen. Like it's from a real perspective. Like it's just so good. Yeah. Um, it's it's by um, Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky, yeah. It's so good. Writing, so writing good. that down. I'm gonna. Um, out. it's just it's so raw and it's so real and like I just mm-hmm. like when people don't get happy endings. You know, let's <laughs> be honest. It's not how the world works. I just so have my hands I like on my it. face because right. I just no. Them, them, <laughs> I have I, I have a qualification for certain movies like that. I don't call them movies. I actually call them fucking ordeals because after the, after that like hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, you're just like, dude, you, it, it can get heavy. And mm-hmm. people, for anybody out there listening, like if you're newly clean, don't run to your favorite drug movie. No, right no. Off the bat. that's oh. such a trigger. Oh that's my such god, a trigger. I mean. Oh man, I was such a such a, a dork when I first got out. I was like, okay, I remember coming home and like, let's go do things. And it was you know just raining and shit. And, and we came home, we cooked some hot dogs and some hamburgers, sat in this chair, and just like put on like YouTube and like found every like happy like inspirational song I could find. So mm-hmm. I had this playlist of like this really like okie dokie shit that yeah. I would normally <laughs> listen to, but it was happy upbeat stuff. Yep, and and. You know, I'm an emotional sponge, bro. Like, if I'm listening to Big and Tupac, like, I'm putting on a bandana and talking, like, I'm leaning back a little bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking out the black and mild. <laughs> yes, exactly. If I'm, you know, if I'm listening to Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, you know, I've got a flannel on somehow immediately, and you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm really depressed. I, you know, I don't listen to country music anymore. I actually like some country music, like Eric Church and some of that rock and shit that mm-hmm. people argue that's not country. Mm-hmm. Like Zach Brown I, like, Band and stuff like, like that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, motherfucker, I will put on some boots and drink some beer. I can't even, you know, yeah. I can't, I can't listen to country music. I haven't uh, because that I'm such an emotional sponge. You know, I try to listen to, I listen to a lot of EDM and, and uh, classical nice. and, uh, you know, and, you know, just shit that, just really says nothing. It doesn't, yes. it doesn't really have just words. neutral. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's important, I think, in sobriety, you know, like for, you know, the, the TV shows you watch and the, the music you're listening to and the friends that you're around. I mean, it's, it's a pivotal time mm-hmm. in, in early recovery, man, I think. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, 
I think every, you know, I know it's a cliche and shit, but I think everybody should read, uh, you know, that, that million little pieces book. I read it you know, when it first came up. Oh, really? I've, I like, uh, I've always wondered about that. I, I should probably read that. It's an excellent book. And there's a follow-up called my friend Leonard. And then he wrote it. He's a, he's a pretty good author. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a douchebag, really. Very yeah. discourteous to me in email all the time. But, uh, he, uh, James Fry, he, he wrote that book, The Many Little Pieces About Recovery, mm-hmm. and he tried uh-huh. to sell it as fiction. Like, like I think the story I read was like eight times, and the yeah. finally getting kicked back in there, like, let's try it as, as, as a, an autobiography or however, your nonfiction, mm-hmm. and they picked it up. And then, like, that happened, and Oprah and then book Oprah, club, yeah, Oprah book club picked it, it up. And it exploded, and then they all, like, you're an asshole. And, like, 80% of it was real, but he kind of like, you know, kind of blew it up a little bit, but mm-hmm. the dude, the dude didn't do it by 12 step. You know, he suffered through it, you know, and, uh, he indulged in some crap, like, you know, having teeth removed with no, you know, gas or, you yeah. know, happy pills to, yeah. you know, some, there was a little bit of stuff, but sounds painful. You know, the ultimately the tr- story was true. And I was like, you know, the guy's done really well for himself. He was a, you know, a filmmaker, a writer. And, uh, you know, check out his book, Main Little Pieces. I think that everybody should read that. You know, it's a quick read. They read. So hmm. cool, man. I'll definitely give that a give that a go. Um yeah. all right. So this is my last question. Um sure. so besides like C V D um like I think it's cool you do cognitive behavioral therapy oh, yeah. actually. Uh-huh. Um yep. you know, I, I think that's something that more people should look into, um, personally. Um I, I think I think that's really cool. And um yoga obviously I'm you know, I don't have time for it right now, but it's always on the to do list. Hopefully, it actually gets <laughs> done. Um, but is always there any time for yoga? Yeah, and is there anything else that you do, um, you know, specifically to kind of, you know, uh, gotta stop saying you know, but to specifically focus on your recovery? So, you do CBT and you do yoga. What else do you do to kind of, you know, uh, center yourself um, with recovery? I, you know, I've got I've got one of those silly apps on my phone that mm-hmm. gives you like a just a just for today. Mm-hmm. I read it every day. Yeah, I, uh, I I wish I could say you know, I'm, like I said, I'm six six seventy eight days clean sober. Sometimes in the heat of moving fast, I'll I'll be off a day or something like that, and I kind of I'm like, oh man, I have to look today, you know. Um, but I try to surround myself. I go to uh, I, I I deal with some recovery agencies and some people that do things in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask me to talk and I don't because I, I've, I've been told that you should wait till right about two years or two years till before you really ever, your, your percentage of getting better is wait of staying recovered is a lot higher at that two year mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very cautious. I was a little bit nervous of doing this because I'm not quite there, but you know, I, I, I go to these, these places and I help like I've, I've been in some round table like how can we make things better I, I did a series of, of some recovery films uh, for National Overdose Awareness Day mm-hmm. uh, back cool. in the summer yep and uh, did some stories of, of of people who their kids were affected and it was them it was like uh, I'll have to send you guys links to those to those videos but yeah. they're inspiring you know it's it was from a, a, a parent's uh, perspective. There was one from the kid who, in the middle of doing the damn thing, he relapsed. You know what I mean? I was like, holy crap. And then we picked it back up and started from scratch again, basically. Nice. We told it through the story. And uh, just like inspirational. So I, I try to use my film to like immerse myself mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. in these things. So, you know, as I'm doing my documentary called Subculture, I've 
I've been around recovery doctors and counselors and people that have been recovered for long, long periods of time mm-hmm. and people who are just needing help to go, yeah. um, you know, and, and I kind of consider that part of my recovery because I think you have to surround it's, you have to surround yourself with some addicts, mm-hmm. um, and talk about it, not preach to them. I don't think anybody wants to be like, don't do this, don't do that, but like help, like Absolutely. be that yep. here. Mm-hmm. And it takes a strong, it takes a strong mind in person. I mean, I've sit there and watch people slam shit in their veins and snort pills that I used to in front of me. And I didn't know how to, if I was ready for that or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I did okay. You know, I don't like going back and look at that footage to be honest with you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that does bring back up memories and things, but you know, that, you know, I'll tell you that, that, that girl who I was doing that thing on, you know, she just got out of rehab yesterday and I'm, freaking pumped and excited for her. you know she was calling me the whole time she was in there you know when she had a little phone time like hey i'm doing good and da, 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 da. like that's amazing are you calling me yeah you know uh it's a like, good feeling talk about, yeah it is and i'll continue to do that you know be involved with people's recovery uh, my own recovery as far as you know uh you know just talking about stuff you know mm-hmm. i think it's important that we talk to our wives and our spouses and husbands and boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever your flavor is, you know, I think that's what I need to work personally more on. Um, because these are the people that stood by us, I think, you know, and I think sometimes we just assume they know we're good. And, uh, you know, and I think that's something I personally, uh, want to work on a little bit more is like being a little bit more vocal with the people that are closest to me and not just think that they assume that I'm okay, but, you know, verbally tell them that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if you guys are like anything like me, it's always on your mind. You wake up, you think about it, you go to bed, you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of something we think about constantly. So, yeah. All right. And uh, for my final question, by the way, that was like, <laughs> that was like a perfect answer, dude. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, my final question is, um, we, well, here at Podcast Recovery, like we're, we're constantly uh, – we really preach that there's no one-size-fits-all for addicts and we believe that they're and especially nowadays like with social media smartphones everything like there's a lot more uh connectivity that's possible to so many different avenues of recovery and um how important do you think it is for every individual to find out what works for them because like Eric's found out like what works for him. I'm finding what's working for me. You're finding what's working for you. And the most important thing is that all three of us are recovering and we're moving mm-hmm. forward and we're helping each other. So how important is that for everybody to find their own thing and be okay with it? Well, you know, uh, our Lord and Savior uh, at Passages Malibu tells us. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That was we, we have to. We have to. I think we have to do we it, you have to keep searching until something works and you know what maybe what I'm doing today in two weeks won't work and I need to find something else mm-hmm. because we all know like uh, I, I'm sure that you guys have heard the same thing you know we either we die we get better or we go to jail one yeah. of the one of the three is gonna happen mm-hmm. I really don't want to die early I got too many kids and responsibilities mm-hmm. I don't want to go to jail because that place blows and, <laughs> yeah. you know and I really like being sober and clean and feeling good yeah. you know I and I'll, I will fucking hang on by my fingernails and teeth to mm-hmm. recovery mm-hmm. Uh, if I have to. And if that means me switching gears and, you know, and going and going against my will in five years from now and sitting in some 12-step meetings, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. I'm 
I've told other addicts, I will go sit in these rooms with you. I don't think they say bad things there. It's just, I don't, you know, the mentality is not right for me mm-hmm. at this time in my life, you yeah. know, at this point in my recovery, mm-hmm. uh, been there, done that. And just right now, no. Yeah. But yeah, I think we have to fight. I think, you know, like these Facebook group apps, you know, like, um, and you know, I, I found you guys through Twitter. Like, man, I'm constantly digging for inspirational shit. Sometimes I, sometimes I respond. Sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I think by reading and self-education, you know, uh, with today's technology, there's so many options. You don't have to, I don't think you have to go to a, a, a 30 day program. I don't think you have to just go to a, a, a behavior therapist. I don't believe you have to just go to a 12 step meeting. I think there's options for people to, mm-hmm. to do it. You should do it until you find what works. Yeah. Totally. I think what you guys are doing are great, man. Your, your website and your, your these podcasts. I've only been able to listen to a couple of them since, um, I don't have a lot of time on my hands, but when I have, I sit back and listen to a few. This is this is, you know, to the ordinary person, I think is they probably don't they don't understand how important it is to know that we're not alone. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's and that's the ultimate goal is knowing that we're not alone, even when we feel incredibly alone, even in a crowded room. You know, so. Oh man! There you go. There it is, man. That's fucking perfect, man. Um. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Like, yeah, man, you, you were great. You fucking killed it, and thanks, man. I mean, this is this. That, that felt really good to get a lot of shit off my chest. Yeah, honestly. So uh, absolutely. Um. All right. Well, do you have any uh, final words for Jesus? That's. I need to find a different way to say that. Do you Do you have any closing words for uh, the masses out there? Because, man, we're talking to people all across the world, like. Right before this, we had a guy from where Illinois. Illinois. Yesterday, Friday, we talked to a guy in California. We're talking to people in Scotland, man. Like we're connecting addicts all over the world. So here's yeah. your, here's your sounding board, man. Let them rip. That's but you know, just hang on to every second. You know, with with your fingernails, with your teeth, mm-hmm. go. I mean, that, our options are options are death, jail, or get better. I mean, that that's that's ultimately what it is. I'm just fucking fight used to fight to get dope used to connive lie to get high uh use those strengths to stay sober that's that's about it perfect oh, yeah man. love it man well uh we'd like to thank you for uh joining us today man yeah it was great clap track yeah. it eric hit the clap track it's a terrible clap it? track <laughs> it's a golf clap <laughs> all right well, just I, don't do the little Nancy Pelosi clap. That's what oh, you're God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the condescending clap? No. It's yeah. terrible. All right. Here well, thanks, guys. Yeah, man. Let me let me hit it with the closeout real quick. And uh, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Um, check out our, our man's website, 30days.com. And, uh, yeah, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean. <laughs>